SequelCast 2 and Friends is a part of the HyperX Podcast Network. This is a vintage episode of SequelCast 2 and Friends. Audio quality may not be up to current standards. We apologize for the nastier audio artifacts. I need a couple of boats fast and somebody who can kill a shark. A big one. What's your doing? I'm practicing landing. Hang on to your socks, lads. Hey, wait a minute, Hello and welcome to the sequel cast. The sequel cast is a show that looks at movies in a franchise one film at a time. We're wrapping up our look at the Jaws franchise this week with a look at Jaws the Revenge, the fourth and final film in the series. This was directed by Joseph Sargent, starring Lorraine Gary, Lance Guest, Mario Van Peebles, and Michael Caine. Music was by Michael Small, including the famous theme by John Williams, cinematography by John McPherson, distributed by Universal Pictures in July 17, 1987, off a budget of $20 million. This made $51.8 million uh, worldwide, I believe. Uh, I'm your host, Matt. With me is Thrasher. Hello, hello. 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 Hello, 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 hello. hello. Um, How are you doing? Pretty good. Uh, if you want to check out other episodes of the Sequel Cast, you can do so at SequelCast.com. The theme song to the Sequel Cast is written and performed by Mark with a C. Check out his music at MarkWithAC.com. And the Sequel Cast is a proud member of the Battleship Retention podcast fleet. Check out other great uh, film and TV podcasts at BattleshipRetention.com. And you can listen to SequelCast on Stitcher. It's an app where you can listen to podcasts streaming on the go. Uh, downloaded at stitcher.com slash SequelCast. And SequelCast automatically gets added as one of your favorites. So, Jaws the Revenge. Uh, the poster says, this time it's personal. Which is a very famous uh, tagline for whatever reason. Which, the much better tagline is that one from the trailer of, like, like man's darkest fear, has, or man's deepest fear has risen again. Like, that is mm. a much better tagline. Yeah. No, that's true. Like, and, like, that, and, and yet, it's the, this time it's personal is the one we all remember, and I could swear, like, it's sort of everybody's go-to hackneyed tagline, and I think it's even shown up in the trailers for other films. It's it's the one that stuck out for some reason. I think you know. I don't. People might not have seen Jaws: The Revenge, but they know that tagline. Well, it's it's the whole it's, it's the whole break in two effect. Electric Boogaloo mm. is th- those two words are far more memorable than anything in that film. So that keeps getting referenced. I think it's the same way with that tagline. I see. Well, uh, when's the first time you saw Jaws: The Revenge? Never, because I'm not paying $10 to see this low quality of a film. Interesting. So I'll be doing the heavy lifting this episode of the sequel cast. Uh, thanks, I'll host. be doing the heavy ranting. Okay, heavy ranting, even though you haven't seen it. Uh, so, I mean, the first time I oh, saw I've this done research. was for the sequel cast. 
because um, I didn't grow up watching any of the Jaws sequels, which is surprising because, as I've said in the past episodes, my dad really loves the original Jaws film. So um, this episode, you know, I'll, I'll talk about how I think Jaws Revenge stacks up against all the other films, including the original Jaws. Uh, director Joseph Sargent has um, directed other films, you know, since Jaws the Revenge. Uh, you know, a famous one is a TV movie from 1989, uh, the Karen Carpenter story. And he directed a science fiction classic film in 1969, Colossus, the Forbin Project. That is one of my all-time favorite movies. Really? Mm-hmm. And he directed the original film, The Taking of Pelham 123, the one with Walter Matthau, not the uh, remake with uh, John Travolta and Denzel Washington. That I mean, That is an amazing pedigree to... to be attached to this film. I could only imagine he just was not given anything to work with. It's, it's one of those things. I mean, the Jaws three was, uh, successful, not quite as successful as Jaws two, but still Jaws three, also known as Jaws 3d, uh, did really well. So, you know, why not do another Jaws film? And, uh, like all the other sequels, this focuses on Martin Brody's kids. But um, as with Jaws 3 and Jaws the Revenge, Martin Brody, who was played by Roy Scheider in Jaws 1 and 2, is nowhere to be seen. They say that in this film, they say that he died from a heart attack and you just get kind of like a a framed photo of him on the desk. What a shitty end to such an awesome character. They tried to get him uh, for the intro of Jaws the Revenge and he turned it down. He wasn't thrilled about doing Jaws 2, and he made a point of not to do any of the other Jaws sequels after the, uh, Jaws 2. Well, that, that's like another just a bit of like lazy sequel filmmaking, because they could have just said, oh, he didn't have the time to come on vacation, or he doesn't want to go near another goddamn beach, or something. Because like, you know, once you've established that the character's dead, if you ever could get him back again for a later sequel, there's no chance in hell of doing that now. Well, I mean, Martin Brody's uh, wife, Ellen Brody, is played by Lorraine Gary, just like she was she did in Jaws one and two, which is a nice touch. Yeah, and it, it deals about her her fear of sharks, and she lives on uh, Amity Island with her younger son Sean, played by Michelle Anderson, and um, and her son Sean is like the police deputy at Amity Island, which is a nice sort of continuation of what uh, the father Martin Brody did in the first two Jaws films. And the beginning is really creepy. It's around Christmas. You hear a local children's choir performing at a concert. Meanwhile, Sean Brody is uh, on his boat trying to clear some debris from a buoy. And as he does so, the uh, the shark leaps out of the ocean and, and kills him. As you hear the Christmas carols go on in the background. It's it's bloody. It's kind of surprising. You know, any anytime you have little kids singing Christmas music as a counterpoint to uh, to violence... Is uh, makes it probably the most memorable sequence in this film for me. That that's true. I mean, when you would you would expect that he'd be a character that would survive the whole movie, being Brody's son. He would go. He would you know get a chance to to kick some shark fin, but nope, dead. Yeah, the younger son, right? It it does create it does create a sense that anyone in the film could die. Yeah, and I think you know had that been. Um, Martin Brody had Roy Scheider, you know, come back for that role and been killed in the beginning. That would have been a lot more affecting because Sean Brody, you might recall in Jaws 3, was kind of a wimp. And um, 
he was a really, uh, you know, a pretty little kid in Jaws 2. So he's the younger son. But the older son, Michael Brody, in this film played by Lance Guest, in uh, Jaws 3 he was played by Dennis Quaid, is, uh, you know, living out in, uh, out in the Bahamas. And the the mother, uh, Ellen Brody, uh, goes to, to live with her son in the Bahamas. Which, th- this is this is a family, despite their history of bad experiences near the water, sure likes living near the water. <laughs> the sea gets in your blood. Yeah, it, it is one of those things where to get away from uh, the shark that she's convinced is terrorizing her family, she goes some other place near water. She doesn't well, go to Nebraska. Well, that's that's true. They don't go anywhere landlocked. They don't go anywhere with like ocean temperatures to keep around sharks. But it does it does again raise the question: How many damn times can this thing happen to the same people? Especially like since it's Brody's dead. If a shark does want revenge on a family, too late. Brody's dead. Or or the, is the shark upset that it didn't get a chance to kill Brody itself? So it's taking it out on the family. It's such a weird concept, and I mean, anytime in a single film, especially in a franchise of films, you have a villain that can't talk, that is an animal, for Christ's sake. What can you do with that? How can you develop that? Well, even then, the other films, you know, did get away with, you know, making the shark a real force of nature, which probably is the best way to to do it. But at the same time, it's less of a, if it's, if the shark if a force of nature is motivated by revenge, then it's not a force of nature. It's now a, a more of a character. Yeah, there's a bit of trivia with a horrifying life story with uh, one of the actresses in this film, Thrasher, that has a sequel cast connection. Oh. You might be amused by. Um, so when uh, Ellen Brody goes with Sean Brody, and, uh, or, sorry, he goes with Michael Brody, and uh, his family, you know, uh, her son Michael has a daughter called uh, named Thea, who is played by Judith Barcy. And uh, Judith Barcy, Barcy only lived to the age of uh, 10 years old because she was murdered by her father. Her father killed her and her mom in a murder-suicide thing. But, um, in spite of all that, not only was Judith Barcy... Uh, a supporting role in Jaws the Revenge is the daughter of the the granddaughter of uh, oh what am I trying to say Ellen Brody but she also did voices for uh, several uh, Don Bluth car- for a few Don Bluth cartoons oh really she was the voice of Ducky in the original Land Before Time and she voiced uh, the uh, the orphan Anne Marie in All Dogs Go to Heaven well that's awesome that's a good that's a good about, body of work to leave behind and she did a lot of TV appearances and, and stuff uh, before then. But, you know, we did a, a sequel commentary show on All Dogs Go to Heaven. And its sequel, All Dogs Go to Heaven, too. Yeah. And uh, so but that's really quite something. Because uh, Anne-Marie is, like, a pretty lead character in All Dogs Go to Heaven. So it's a shame that as an actress, her life was cut um, so short by murder, of all things. But Murder-suicide. Murder-suicide, yeah, just 
terrible, terrible stuff. You can read more about that if you want, but it, I, I did, and I wish I hadn't. Uh, there's another sequel cast connection with the, with the, some other cast members in Jaws the Revenge, um, which is kind of surprising. Would that include Michael Caine? It would, it would include Michael Caine. Uh, and M- Michael Caine uh, played, you know, Scrooge in uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. And which we talked about in earlier episodes of the sequel cast. You can check that stuff out at sequelcast.com. But also, uh, Mario Van Peebles, who played the villain, uh, he played the wizard in Highlander 3, he is in Jaws the Revenge. <laughs> yeah. You know, in a way, this movie is everything the sequel cast has been culminating to. I guess in so. I didn't, way. yeah, I didn't realize there's that many cast connections going into it's, Jaws the Revenge. It's, it's the implosion about. of the sum total yeah. of the sequel cast. And, uh, Melvin Van Peebles plays Miss, Mr. Witherspoon, a um, a local guy in the Bahamas with like a thick sort of Jamaican accent who he works with uh, Michael Brody in the Bahamas. They sort of, you know, go and collect seashells and things on the bottom of the ocean. They do a lot of analysis of uh, ocean, uh, ocean plant life and algae. Marine life. Marine life, yeah. But this movie has some terrible... Not only does the shark look awful, which I'll talk about in a minute, but any scene where a character is underwater in a a scuba outfit or in a little... You know, trying to go underwater to research all the the stuff they're trying to do, and a character is talking to him, they use this, like, filter, the audio filter, that that sounds really distracting. Oh. Well, you know... You know, uh, I mentioned you know I didn't I didn't see this movie. It wasn't just because I wasn't willing to pay that much for a movie this bad. The trailer turned me off what about so the, hard. What about the trailer for Jaws: Revenge turned you off, Thrasher? Well, it it, uh, it did three ter- it did three terrible things. Uh, first, the the music in the trailer it sounds like a poorly synthesized version of the Jaws theme. Every instrument sounds artificial. When you'd think it wouldn't have been too much of a stretch to use one of the studio recordings of the theme from an earlier film, but I guess not. Then maybe there was an ASCAP issue. Um, so right then, that's a, that's strike one. Strike two. I'm looking. You know, it's got all this. It starts with all this. You know, underwater footage. The camera's moving through seaweed, and you can see a wreck, a shipwreck. And I'm like, wait a minute. Isn't this the same underwater footage from the beginning of Jaws 2? So, strike two. Recycling footage from a from t- a sequel to movies previous. Mm. Then strike three. At the end, it shows the shark jump out of the water, and it looks just like one of the shots from the first film, to the point where I think it is a clip from the first film. You know, I have not seen this trailer you're talking about, but that could very well be the case, that it's clips from the other films. It's, it's just, I the feel like one. they're trying to obscure the movie behind the earlier movies, and that I just took that as a very bad sign. Like, I don't mind a trailer that doesn't show me anything from a movie, but you've got to be very artful when you do that. You can't just show clips of the pre of the previous films. But if you have nothing to work with, I don't know. You know, um, I mean, I saw a trailer recently that used clips from an earlier film that was just bizarre. There's a trailer for uh, Grown Ups 2, the, uh, the comedy that's coming out with Adam Sandler and stuff that's a sequel to Grown Ups. And for well, some they reason, they, they start it with a clip from the first film. It's like, this is a comedy. You don't need a clip from the first movie. 
Well, there's so much they have to set up, Matt. I mean, admittedly, I thought it was a funny joke where they talk about, you know, the adults talking about getting wasted and the kids are like, oh, I want to get wasted. And one's like, I want to get chocolate wasted. Which which is a gag that they already did to death in the trailer for the first film. Yeah. And so they just like bring that back. Remember that joke from a film you liked a few years ago? Let's do that same joke again with the same old footage. And then, oh, but now now they're living in the suburbs. As a fan of podcasts, you've probably thought about starting one of your own. Introducing the new HyperX Duocast. The Duocast has all the essential features an aspiring podcaster would want from a USB mic with HyperX favorites like tap to mute and a vibrant mute indicator. It's compact and elegantly styled, perfect for situations where you want a mic that looks great but isn't too extra. Check out the new HyperX Duocast available at Target.com or shop direct at HyperX.com. It was just uh, bizarre. It's sometimes surprising when they use old uh, old clips and uh, trailers, but sometimes that's all you have to work with. You got to get a trailer out there early. Well, you don't never never before have I have. It's very rare when you experience something that's both surprising and boring. Hmm. And that's the, thing, that's the thing with all these Jaws sequels that's really hard, is you're watching everyone and you think of what a great high-water mark the original Jaws was. It's legendary. And you're like, maybe I should just watch the first one again. What yeah. am I doing watching Jaws The Revenge? Yeah, I mean, it is... And, and it is such a sharp decline in quality. It's not like... Uh, sharp and steady. It's not like Die Hard where they're... Where, where, you know, like... Die Hard One's great. Die Hard Two's not good. Die Hard Three is pretty is pretty good. Die Hard Four is terrible. Like it's not it's not a sign. It's not like a declining sine wave. It's just a downhill toboggan ride that gets steeper as you go. You you'd think that at some point someone would have t- took an interesting risk with with one of these sequels that might have paid off and at least made it very interesting and it, if not better than the others. Well, did you know the um, bit of trivia about Michael Caine and Jaws the Revenge? No, what's the trivia about Michael Caine? Uh, the trivia about Michael Caine is very, very famous. Uh, okay. In the, uh, you know, as they were filming, uh, I believe reshoots for the ending of Jaws the Revenge, so there, so there is a, so there's an ending they thought wasn't good enough, so they had to reshoot it. There's an ending test audiences weren't crazy about. Originally, the boat just rammed into the shark, and the shark died. And um, audiences didn't like that, so they reshot an ending very hastily in which the shark exploded. For any particular reason? It's very unclear how it, how it explodes in the film. It just does all this fast cutting, and then you see an explosion of a shark. And it's done like in a real tight close-up, so it's like really abstract what you're watching. You're, you're kind of going... What's happening right now? I don't know. but uh, And the DVD does not have both endings in uh, the film, which I think would have been nice to uh, have seen. Anyway, as they reshot this ending for Jaws the Revenge, Michael Caine had to be present. And he wasn't there at the uh, Academy Awards uh, that year to win Best Supporting Actor for Hannah and Her Sisters. So he got the Oscar, but he wasn't there to claim the Oscar and give the speech because he was filming Jaws the Revenge. I see. That sucks. 
That absolutely sucks. And and uh, was that his first Oscar? Good question. I let me think. I don't know how many Oscars he has. Oh, actually, I'm won. checking right now. That's the yeah that he's won two Academy Awards so far. His first one was in '86 for or um, '87 for Hannah and Her Sisters, and then he won an Oscar in '99 uh, for Cider House Rules. Ah, uh, yeah. So. It is one of those things. You know, he's a legendary actor. He recently turned uh, 80 years old. And uh, to see him in Jogger... He is young. He is young, Michael Caine. Uh, and I think he's a, a highlight of Jaws the Revenge. He brings a sense of humor. You have a, a little bit of a romance in there between um, Alan Brody and Michael Caine, who plays a airplane pilot, pilot named Hoagie. Well, you know, that's the thing about Michael Caine. No matter how bad the movie, no matter how bad the material he's given, he never phones it in. And that commitment really increases the value of his performance. And he has a lot of fun, too, I think, working with uh, Judith Barcy as the daughter, Thea, as the daughter to Michael Brody. He has some fun moments where he tries to cover her eyes and you get this neat sort of scenery of the Bahamas. And... I appreciate in Jaws Revenge, they don't go to Amity Island like they did with Jaws 2. It's in the Bahamas. It's in a new location. But, Finally. But again, as you said, why keep on going to the water? Although I guess this movie is called Jaws. You know, you they, couldn't have it a land shark. Is that what you'd have? Well, I mean, you could get them like trapped on a, you could have like a, their plane land on a desert island. They're surrounded by water. Just like give, like just some, somewhere like interesting where you wouldn't expect a shark, like a lake. Why not, why not have them near a lake? Or even better yet, what if you switched animals? What if they're like, oh, no sharks are at a lake, gators, and now it's gator jaws. It doesn't ha- – like, why can't it be a different animal with ferocious teeth every now and then? Or why didn't they just do something where it's like, uh, you know, like Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. You'd have, like, jaws versus crocodile. Or some sort of augmented dolphin. Yeah, jaws versus super dolphin. I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's stuff you could have done, but every time having it go after – uh, even though it's a different shark each time, although I think this one is supposed to be the same shark from Jaws Two, because that one gets electrocuted to death, but you don't see it explode like the sharks in Jaws and Jaws 3D. Is it uh, though? Like, is is there any hmm. anything in the movie to support that this is a returning shark? They say the shark's obsessed with her family, but they don't specify. Remember in Jaws Two? Well, they wouldn't say. Remember in Jaws Two? <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> It's it's funny you mention that because I would love it if in a sequel they did refer to the previous film. They didn't refer to dates; they referred to film titles to the point yeah. where it would actually be on their calendar. If you like, you opened their calendar, it wouldn't have previous months or years out of previous movies, like they did in Space Quest Four. Right, right. Uh, with all the funny titles in that computer game. What was the <laughs> subtitle for Space Quest Four? Uh, uh, Roger Wilco and the Time Rippers. I Very believe. Very good. Yep. I believe you're right. Well, well, we'll have to cover that on the video game sequel cast sometime. On a later date, absolutely. Uh, in the future. In the future. Well, since um, you haven't seen Jaws of Revenge Thrasher, what is the question you have about it? Okay, well, I have, I have not seen it, but as I said, I did a lot of research, uh, and part of my research was that I listened to uh, how the uh, Jaws 4 episode 
of How Did This Get Made? I believe that's episode number 44. Uh, and and th- that apparently... And I don't know if you can verify this. Yeah. Does the film imply that there's a voodoo curse controlling the shark? Um, okay. As I understand it, there's a throwaway line of dialogue that implies that. But however, in the novelization of <laughs> Jaws the Revenge, there is, and the novelization is by Hank Searles, there's a, uh, a subplot about a witch doctor that is um, controlling the shark. Huh. Now, is that based on a something in a script, or or was he like coming up with his own stuff, or what? Possibly. I don't. I, I don't think anyone really knows. I mean, the line of dialogue in Jaws: The Revenge is Michael Brody is saying something like, uh, "Come on, sharks don't commit murder. Tell me you don't believe in that voodoo." But it doesn't really do it up front and center, but there is a character of a witch doctor who has a feud with the Brody family in the novelization. For for some reason. Yeah, for some reason. And you can hear, uh, there's a really great uh, a podcast called uh, Books and Nachos, where they do a review of that novel. And uh, one of the episodes of that, they talk about the Jaws the Revenge novel. So, anything I know about that novel is from that podcast. But I think, had there been an actual voodoo witch doctor character controlling the shark, that would have made things more interesting, I think. I see. Well, oh, I, I, well, I guess we might as well get into this. You said that, y- what what is wrong with the shark special effects in this one? Because you, you seem to have very strong feelings when you said you were going to talk about that later. Yeah, the shark looks extremely cheap looking, even by the standards of the Jaws sequels. You don't see it for very long. When you do, it it looks really uh, really cheap and, and lousy. It really just brings back to mind in the original Jaws how they don't show the shark that much and it's that much more effective and, and spooky and surprising when it kind of burst out up front and center. And here, there's a lot more footage of the shark, but it just looks it looks like a piece of cardboard. It's huh. it, it looks bad. It's the worst looking shark out of all the Jaws films. And when your your bad guy in a film, so to speak, is a shark, and you make it look like shit, it I'm sure they tried, but I don't know. This wasn't. I don't think there was a whole lot of care put into the making of Jaws the Revenge. Huh. There's uh, an unbel- and We talked earlier a little bit about the ending of this film where, um, you know, they reshot it to make it more violent. And I guess in the original version of the ending, the character uh, played by Mario Van Peebles, Mr. Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. Is uh, I like to imagine that it's that he's a uh, he's a crossdresser that impersonates Reese Witherspoon. He's not, but he uh, gets eaten by the shark and, <laughs> and dies. But in the version that's you know available on the DVD, he lives. Did the audiences just like that better? Or I don't know. I think they just wanted to uh, to soften things a bit. I'm not, I, I think, you know, they wanted to have a happier ending, and they thought that would 
increase the uh, the test screening uh, scores. Well, and yet, like you really, sh- a soft ending doesn't work in a horror movie. I don't know if I'd call the Jaws films horror movies, but well, there's suspense. I mean, it best yeah, there's suspense. There's suspense, they're, but they're also creature features. And either either way, softness does not work for either. It doesn't. I mean, as soon as you see the characters alive, I, I screamed at the TV. Bullshit! <laughs> what a load of crap! And and how, yet, how much, if you had to if you had to measure that crap in terms of like its overall mass, how much would you say it was? Well, that's the thing. I think in comparison, I like Jaws: The Revenge still better than Jaws Two. I think you know Michael Caine is, and Mario Van Peebles are, are kind of fun, and I really like that uh, this opening scene of Jaws: The Revenge. I think is is quite well done, and yet the the film is. Uh, just a wet noodle of a of a sequel, you know. I I don't. I think I liked out of all the Jaws films to kind of give a wider view of the franchise as we've been talking about at sequelcast dot com mm-hmm. or the Facebook page at facebook dot com slash sequelcast. I I truly think it's uh, it's one of those things where Jaws three might have been might be my favorite out of the sequels just because it gets really goofy with the. With the kills and with the 3D effects it's trying to and go it, for. It takes risks, which I, I appreciate. Yes, it takes some risks. And uh, Jaws the Revenge just comes off as kind of lazy, but it's not quite as lady, lazy. I almost said not quite as lady. Uh, lady! And not quite as lazy as Jaws 2 because it's a different location. And you actually kill off a member of the Brody clan, which was nice to see. I, I could have uh, used a bit more of that. But to so little happens in the film. Michael Caine is okay, but I, I can't say I'd recommend it. But I think uh, before we give our final thoughts on Jaws the Revenge, we should talk about some of the wonderful things, uh, some of our affiliates and so forth at SequelCast.com. Do tell! So you can check out all the old episodes of the SequelCast at SequelCast.com. You can also check out our other uh, podcast that we do, a SequelCast special, which looks at you know, either like movie franchises, movie topics at large, kind of on a, on a bigger scale. Um, sequel commentary, which does audio commentary for sequels and cult films. And uh, the newest uh, show we're doing is Video Game Sequelcast, which looks at video game uh, franchises. And if you go to SequelCast.com and you, you like what you're hearing right now, you want to donate to us, you can do so at SequelCast.com slash donate. And you can donate to us through a PayPal account. Everything is appreciated because it costs money to host a podcast and everything like that. Hey, I'd like to suggest something, Matt. What? If if listeners want us to review a film series that has installments as bad as Jaws 4, maybe they could take up a collection and get us the DVDs so that we won't have to go through the humiliating experience of acquiring a copy and realizing we spent actual money on it. Um, they they could. I don't have an address they can mail such a thing to. I'm not sure I'd want to give an address over a podcast, but maybe we can we can rig something on Amazon for anonymous delivery. <laughs> well, you know, I think um, you know, Sequelcast listeners, if you have a uh, a movie sequel that's especially bad that you want us to look at, maybe do a sequel commentary for or something, uh, and you want to send us something, just um. 
send me a uh, a me- post a message or something on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash sequelcast and either and uh, I'll get back to you on that. But that or a send movie. a self-addressed stamped envelope to the address we are withholding from you. Or you can send an email to to sequelcast at gmail.com if uh, you're interested in mailing us a uh, you know, if you have a, a DVD laying around of a really bad sequel you want us to talk about, that, that could spark a, an episode or something. That could be kind of fun. Or even have a start a franchise, you know, talking about it. Uh, also, if you like movies and you want to watch the movies that we're talking about, I, I uh, tweaked our Amazon.com links a bit. We're an Amazon uh, affiliate. And I uh, Amazon Instant Video has a lot of films you can watch, you know, like streaming on the computer and stuff. Or on your uh, whatever streaming devices, like the Xbox 360 or Roku, what have you, right? And so you can actually have links right now on there at uh, SequelCast.com, or you can, through Amazon Instant Video, you can rent uh, any of the four Jaws films for just $2.99 apiece as a digital uh, streaming rental. So I think that's not that's not a bad deal, if you want to check that stuff that's out. You can do bad. it off our links at uh, SequelCast.com. And uh, if you want to buy, you know, merchandise, uh, we have a link to our cafe press store, and you can check that out at uh, cafepress.com slash sequelcast. Hmm. So what else else really strikes you in this film? Jaws the Revenge. I wish the shark would have struck against people more. I mean, you see the shark... Here and there in scenes, but oh, do they have the obligatory scene where one of the Brodies tries to warn the authorities and no one believes them again? Surprisingly, not. <laughs> They've just given up. They've just given up reporting shark attacks. I think so. They've given up reporting. You don't have like some skeptical. Like I guess you're right in that sense, Thrasher. You know, we had the mayor in the first two films, and you have kind of the the owner of Sea World and Jaws three. That's really skeptical. We can't let people know there's a shark here. Well, you know, I that's I gotta say, I, I I can't say this was them like trying to be daring, but that is something I would love to see in in the, a franchise where a problem keeps happening to the same people and no one ever believes them, no matter how many times it happens or how public it is. I do like I I am love with the idea that after a while, the people the thing keeps happening to, they just would stop trying to tell people. Yeah, they just give up. They just said, "Oh, geez, look at uh, look at what's happening here. It's a shark. It's a uh, business as usual for the Brody family." Yeah, I wonder. I their their insurance must be terrible. Like for if for their boats, you know, everyone expects them to keep getting blown up by sharks, or eaten, or sunk, or whatnot. If you're asking what sticks out to me, there's a fun, uh, the opening credit scene, you know, shows the the shark attacking some fish and all this stuff in the ocean, and then it cuts to Ellen Brody frying a fish in the frying pan for dinner. Hmm. And that's kind of a fun sort of uh, fade into the opening credits with the classic Jaws music. That's, a, that's an amusing transition. But again, I'm talking about bits and pieces. It's like Jaws 2. There's maybe... Uh, there's, there's more of Jaws the Revenge I like uh, out of the film than Jaws 2, but it doesn't amount to more than 10 minutes or so. 
Mm. Uh, so I think on that note, we can probably give Jaws the Revenger rating. Go right ahead. Out of uh, five stars, I give Jaws the Revenge. Oh, boy. Mm. I'd say like two stars. Michael Caine is kind of fun, but Mario Van Peebles is all right. It's good to see Lorraine Gary back as Ellen Brody. But other than uh, other than the death scene for Sean in the beginning, not too much sticks out for me. I I wouldn't recommend this film. I uh, and again I I my this rating is based on the fact that I haven't seen it. I'm going to give it one and a half, and most of that is simply because Michael Caine is here. Very good. Just every everything I. Every bit of research I did on this film, everything was just setting off my complete bomb alarm bells. Previously on Chat of the Wild. Did anyone kid all the bugs for Agatha? No, no, I meant to. And I even had a bug that I like could have given back to her and I forgot. That bug is well, gone Don't forever. go in there if, if you do and then not give it to her. I know. She can <laughs> smell it on you. She knows. I know you have bugs. I know you're holding out on me. <laughs> I can smell it. Did anyone get um, all the pose? No. No, God, no. Chat of the Wild. Breaking down Zelda and Zelda like games, one dungeon at a time. Wednesdays on the HyperX Podcast Network. Us. We're the Spirit Hunters, and we're a show that treats Hunter Hunter and Yu Hakusho's author as the center of the universe. Some weeks we do linguistic analysis. The Chinese meaning of this character is to smelt or refine, but so the changed meaning in Japanese it means to temper. Other times, we get absolutely smashed. So we take one shot every time. Yusuke uses the ray gun. One hour later. This is the least coherent episode. Check us out at the HyperX Podcast Network. So now we're going to do the next segment, uh, pitch a sequel. All right. In which um, we pitch a sequel to the film we're talking about, in this case, Jaws the Revenge. I have... I've got mine ready to go. Okay, go. All righty. So uh, <laughs> my sequel to Jaws the Revenge will be Jaws the Revenge 2, The Revenge. Uh, mm. And what will happen in this one is it turns out that all that voodoo stuff from the novel, that was real. It turns out that the uh, – now keep, now keep in mind, this movie is going to be even worse than Jaws the Revenge. Jaws the Revenge to the Revenge uh, has a huge voodoo plot. The main plot's all about voodoo, but it's written by a screenwriter who didn't do any research into voodoo. So as a result, the premise is that uh, – that these voodoo people worship a shark god, even though I don't believe voodoo actually has that. But keep in mind, this was written by a guy who did no research. And and these uh, and that the giant sharks from all the Jaws movies have, in fact, been avatars of the shark god. And the voodoo cult is just furious that the Brodies keep killing the avatars of their shark god. So, using their voodoo, they raise an army of undead zombie sharks from the ocean who who eat their way across America to get to the mountaintop cabin where the surviving Brodies are having a family reunion. They have so all the Brodies are there. Every Brody that's still alive is there. Uh, and they're trapped in a mountain, and the undead zombie sharks are climbing up the mountain trying to pick them all off. And in the end, the way they stop the undead zombie sharks is they find their own uh, book of voodoo rituals, and they bring the original Chief Brody back to life as an ass-kicking, shark-slaying zombie. 
Hmm. And then at the end, he grabs an oxygen tank and blows it up, taking out the last of the sharks and the voodoo high priest, sacrificing himself. Interesting. My idea for a picture sequel came to me as I was taking my dog Starbuck on a walk the other day. I was uh, going around thinking, what can I uh, do for a picture sequel next time on Sequel Cast? And it came to me, I uh, would call it Jaws 5 The Ride. And it'd be a little bit meta. It would take place at the Jaws the Ride at Universal Studios theme park. And what Uh happens is somehow a live great white shark gets in the ride, gets in the water (laughs) part of the ride and starts like killing tourists uh, taking the ride. And so to try and take the, the shark to task, to try and kill the shark instead of hiring professionals, getting the police involved, maybe even a crocodile hunter or two, they get the surviving cast members of all the different Jaws films together. <laughs> so you get Lorraine Gary as Ellen Brody. You get, uh, you know, the different actors that played Sean and uh, Michael Brody from, uh, including Dennis Quaid and stuff like that from the different Jaws sequels. But you get the multiple actors that played the the different members of the Brody clan throughout the saga. And... They are called upon, despite the fact that they only acted in movies, to deal with a live shark in the Jaws ride at Universal Studios, uh, California. I see. <laughs> That's and great. It'd be uh, it'd be very surreal. It's uh, they'd be in over their head. Would it, would it have a Scooby Doo ending where it turns out that it's actually an animatronic shark created by somebody who's trying to get people to leave the amusement park so they can buy it and drill for oil or something? No, but I think what the ending would be is all all the uh, members of the cast from the previous Jaws films, including Richard Dreyfuss and stuff, that survived the events of Jaws Five: The Ride, all take a dip in the water together, and uh, their their bodies fuse. Into like a single uh, dolphin that that swims off into the distance. Oh man! So <laughs> that's what I would do with my picture sequel for Jaws Five: The Ride. <laughs> I think you've topped mine. That's awesome. Oh, thank you. I uh... <laughs> it'd be very strange. I don't think that would happen. But if you do a Jaws sequel, that's not a. I don't think there'd be a bad way to go. So um, <laughs> now we're gonna. Do uh, talk a little bit about sequel news. I, I tend to post news segments about uh, film sequels over at SequelCast or Facebook.com slash SequelCast. So I thought it'd be fun to talk about a few of them. Ruby. One of which is they are. Um, so part of Iron Man 3 is filmed in China. Cool. And I guess the Chinese version of that film is going to have additional scenes with uh, popular Chine, uh, Chinese actors in them. In, in which they meet Iron Man, and Iron Man uh, talks about the virtues of uh, tradition, obedience, and communism? Or? I have no idea. You know, I imagine those, but the Chinese version of Iron Man 3 will be... Uh, I don't know if it'll be longer. It'll have more scenes to it. It'll have additional footage, you know, and whether that footage will appear in a future DVD or Blu-ray release, I bet it probably will. But I just thought that was pretty curious to uh, appeal, I guess, to the Chinese market more. Hmm. Do you think that's interesting or 
Not so much. Well, like I guess I, I, I honestly believe that there should be one version of a film and that making like little changes based on where, like where in the world it's going to be screened for any reason is just meddling and is not, is not going to make the experience better for, for anyone when it comes down to it. Hmm. Instead of getting one finely crafted movie, we're going to get a a dozen mostly finely crafted movies. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, the upcoming slate of Marvel films and their phase two, as they're calling it. Yeah. uh, Roster, did you hear about who's going to be cast in a supporting role in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, the second Captain America film? I could swear I did, but I, I, I generally I wait for those movies to come out, so I haven't really been paying attention to it. Oh, do you want me to tell you, I guess? Oh, yeah, go right ahead. Robert Redford. Yeah, it would end the sequ- this whole segment prematurely if we I just guess so. talking. <laughs> Robert Redford is going to play the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. in uh, Captain America The Winter Soldier, which is the second uh, live-action Captain America film in the Marvel, you know. So Nick Fury's boss? Presumably. It it does make me wonder, you know, the first Captain America, so much of it took place in the past. I would hope that the sequel has some scenes that take place in the past as well. I guess there could be flashbacks, but I kind of want them to be to be minor. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just that, you know, they, they told Captain America's World War II story in that movie, and now he's frozen. I, the, guess, I, yeah. I guess, like, maybe, like... What if they if any part of the movie takes place in the past? I guess it has to be kind of like a mission that he went on during that montage of missions in the movie. Like it can't it can't be something that invalidates anything in the first movie, and it can't be something that makes us go, "Wait, what?" About the second movie. I mean, I, I did like that montage sequence from the first film, and I wish there would have been more of that. The the missions he went on with the uh, with Howling the, Commandos. The Howling Commandos. There you go. Because you can't have the Howling Commandos pop up in modern day, could you? They'd just be... Well, it would have to be <laughs> a new version of the Howling yeah. Commandos, which really wouldn't work. There's only one group of Howling Commandos. But, Although, at the same yeah. time, there is there is like a part of me that would love to see like Dum Dum Dugan as a grizzled old veteran, not 80 years old or whatnot, acting as an advisor to S.H.I.E.L.D. That could be fun. I think, you know, Robert Redford is pretty interesting casting for that film. You know, the, the original Captain America had Tommy Lee Jones in it, in a decent supporting part. Well, you know, here's here's something. I want a Nick Fury movie. I want a whole movie with Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury doing Nick Fury stuff. Yeah, they I haven't... Just, I, I, feel, right. I feel kind of cheated that he's he's been a supporting role in so many of these Marvel movies, and, and it's almost as if they don't trust him in a movie of his own. In the earlier Marvel films, it was kind of frustrating because you just have Sam Jackson as Nick Fury popping up for two minutes at the end of the film. Hey, I want you to be part of the Avengers. Well, that was cool. And, and the fact is, when I saw that, my hope was not only we're going to get an Avengers movie, but this is going to be a bridge for a Nick Fury movie. But I'm still waiting for that Nick Fury movie. And, you know, when when these Marvel movies, these new Marvel movies started, I, I would have bought the case that Nick Fury is too obscure of a character to put out in his own in his own movie, in his own movie. But by he's America knows who he is now because he's been in all the Marvel movies. He, he he can do it. No, you're right. I think he certainly can do it. 
and he's been in enough of the movies, like he said. But I mean, out of the upcoming Marvel films that they've announced they're going to do for Phase Two, it is you know Iron Man Three is the first one, mm-hmm. and then Thor: uh, The Dark World, which is the second Thor movie, Captain America: Winter Soldier, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, the Avengers Two. So maybe in Phase Three they'll be announcing a Nick Fury movie or something. Well, I believe I. I, I'm trying to remember where I heard this. It was probably io9, but I believe they've said that for Phase, they're planning a Phase 3 already just to get a leg up, and that tentatively it's going to involve Doctor Strange. But at the same... And, and there's also been rumors that Doctor Strange shows up in uh, Thor The Dark World in some capacity. But Doctor Strange is another character that I want to see in his own movie as well. But there's just... There's, there's no excuse for why Nick Fury hasn't had his own movie. And I realize I'm, I'm harping on that, but I do feel really strongly about it. I'll be surprised if there isn't a Nick Fury movie that comes out sometime within the next five years. Mm. So if not in the next few years, a few years after that. But sure, I agree. Samuel L. Jackson's a really cool actor. Nick Fury, they've just teased the character. I mean, he had more to do, I guess, in the Avengers than the other films, but they haven't but given him a chance to shine. Yeah, yeah. He did not get a chance to shine in that movie. So I'll be very curious to see. I'm sure we'll have cameos in these future movies coming up, but I'd like to see him get his own film as well. That's a really good point. Um, so if you want to talk about movie sequels and stuff with us, yeah, a great place to do that is our Facebook page at facebook.com slash sequelcast. And now we're going to do our um, last segment of the show, What You're Watching. What You're Watching. A, uh, a thing I watched recently was a, a film called This Is 40. Have you seen this one? Uh, no, I wanted to see it. I, uh, it just it passed me by, unfortunately. This is the latest film directed by Judd Apatow, who uh, you know, like directed the Forty Year Old Virgin and uh, Knocked Up and uh, Funny People was his last film with Adam Sandler, which I wasn't crazy about. And this is Forty. I thought was funnier, where it's it. The poster says it's a sort of sequel to Knocked Up. And that's being really loose about it. It has Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann as uh, Pete and Debbie, and they're the same characters from Knocked Up, but it's just several years later. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can really call this a sequel. Uh, you know, Seth Rogen doesn't come back from Knocked Up. But no, it, it, it is a sequel. So it, it, you know, well, does that mean that Jaws, The Revenge, isn't a sequel to Jaws because Brody's not in it? I, I guess that's fair, but... You know, these could have been completely different characters. I don't think it would have hurt anything. It's, but it's about them turning um, those two characters turning forty, and how that affects uh, how it affects their lives. It is, um, it's pretty good. Melissa McCarthy has a really funny cameo. It's nice to see as the characters of the father of uh, see the father of Paul Rudd is played by Albert Brooks. Hmm, cool. And the father of uh, Leslie Mann is played by John Lithgow. Very nice. So that's pretty neat uh, casting in there. It's good to see those actors back on screen again. And yet it has a problem that I, I find has always been the case with Judd Apatow's films. is For comedies, they run a little bit long. Um, we saw, granted, we saw an extended cut of this, but this movie was over two hours long. Hmm. And so, so like 
a little indulgent or just they didn't know where to make cuts? No, yeah, no, I would say certainly indulgent, absolutely. And it was funny, I enjoyed my time watching it, but had it been like half an hour shorter, I uh, I think I would have liked it more. Hmm. So I, Well, I have been... I have been reading a really interesting book. In fact, I finished it just the other day. Uh, there's a, uh, a horror movie magazine, Rue Morgue, uh, nice. and they just came out with a book, uh, 200 Alternative Horror Films You Need to See. And I read this over the weekend. Uh, and it really is a fantastic book. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that about a third of the movies in here I have heard of or seen. Uh, Another third I've been meaning to see, and the other third are things that now I really want to track down because they sound fascinating. So, is it a collection of film reviews, or is it just a list, or uh, it's uh, it's a it's uh, it's two hundred it's 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 a, a listing of two hundred movies with kind of a a mini like a half page, roughly a half page kind of mini review and synopsis of each movie. Uh, then it also has information uh, when it was when it was made, when it was uh, where when it was released, where it was filmed, length, who's in it, who directed it, and just like some general factoids. And in between uh, the general reviews, they also have uh, certain films they think are significant get full or two page uh, entries. Sometimes with uh, excerpts of interviews with people who worked on the film or special commentary from the writers and editors of the book. Uh, there's, they've also got a couple of like special sections, such as ten horror movies that are so so bad they're good. Uh, ten foreign horror movies. Uh, it's really really cool. And you know it's all in color, very good production value. They uh, they of course have poster slash DVD case art for all the films and uh, screenshot uh, really compelling screenshots from for a good number of the films. So it's, it's very good to look at as well. It's it's the kind of book that I know I will flip through enough that I wish it was in hardcover because I'm just waiting for uh, I I know I will use this book as reference enough that it will probably fall apart in my hands. So what's a, a movie you read about in the book that you had to say, oh, I need to track that one down? Oh, let me see. Well, actually, here, here I'm just turning up to a random page. Here's one. Uh, Psychomania, 1973 film with uh, Nick Henson, directed by Don Sharp. Hmm. Which is a, uh, let's see, uh, that's a stars, uh, Nick Henson stars as Tom, a charming sociopathic leader of a gang of fun-loving homicidal bikers known as the Living Dead. When he's through terrorizing the locals with a meaningless campaign of gas-guzzling ultraviolence, he returns to his opulent country manor where his clairvoyant mother and, uh, m- mysterious butler Shadwell also reside. Uh, he learns to demand. The, he demands the truth about his dead father, and his mother allows him into one of the mansion's perpetually locked rooms, where he encounters a magical mirror that reveals a terrible secret. Tom is the son of Satan, and and it just goes crazier from there. And and I'll it, it, and I bought this book for two reasons. One, you know, I am I am a cult film buff, and two, I love movies with mini reviews of horror and science fiction films because they're a great place for me to get inspiration for uh, gaming material. I see. And what's the name of that book again? Let's see. Uh, Rue Morgue Magazine's 200 Alternative Horror Films You Need to See. Uh, edited by Rodrigo Rodrigo Gaduno. And I, I'm probably not pronouncing that right. There's an accent I can't interpret on the name. And Dave Alexander. 
Very good. Nine ninety five in Canada and the U.S. How about that? Well, um, so we've wrapped up our discussion of the Jaws series here in the sequel cast. Next time around, we're going to do something we haven't done on the show for a while. We're going to yeah. do something that's sort of a very loose franchise, and that it's related in uh, in topic, but it's not like they were made to be direct sequels of each other necessarily. So like yeah. what we did with the Lord of the Rings, uh, uh, or with the uh, Hobbit and Lord of the Rings films from the 70s and 80s. Exactly, like what we did with those. And what we're and Thrasher, you were the one that came up with this idea. It is, uh, we're going to look at, uh, next week we'll be looking at The Wizard of Oz, the uh, classic uh, musical from the 1930s. And then after that, we'll be looking at Return to Oz from the 1980s. And then after that, we'll be looking at the new film, Oz, the Great and Powerful. Excellent. So that's what we have coming up here in the sequel cast. Uh, thanks for listening. Again, if you enjoy the show, please donate at sequelcast.com slash donate. For, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at sequelcast. You can follow Thrasher at Internet Mayor. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the sequel cast, this is Matt. And this is Thrasher. Saying, We've bitten off about as much as we can stand with our jaws. My name is Michael Kane, and, and, and there's a shark right there. Why do they get Southern at the end? Oh, <laughs> I don't know, but I would like to see Michael Caine play somebody who's a bit husky in the Furlan. The sequel 